Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery, BTR.org. I'm Anne. I'm sure you remember what it was like when you were searching for help, maybe for your husband, hoping to find the right program or therapist. That's why I started podcasting. I supported my husband through seven years of pornography addiction recovery, and not one therapist during that time told me I was experiencing emotional and psychological abuse and sexual coercion. I didn't want any other woman on the planet to be in the dark. If you're like the majority of my listeners, you're experiencing the type of abuse that's invisible and difficult to wrap your head around. Your husband is using porn or having affairs or lying to you, and you're getting the same bad advice about how to improve communication or your relationship. If you need support from women who totally understand, check out our daily group session schedule at btr.org group. We'd love to see you in a session today. One simple anonymous way to help spread the word is to click, follow, or subscribe to the Betrayal Trauma Recovery Podcast on your favorite podcasting app. While you're there, every five-star rating helps make this podcast more visible and will help save other women from getting the wrong kind of help, like a couple program that will make this type of abuse worse. For those of you who follow or subscribe to this podcast, thank you so much. Your support means so much to me. I have Sarah McDougall back on today's episode. We ended last week with her talking about how it would be great for men to be able to have a good relationship with their children. Of course, abusive men do not have that ability. And later she's going to go over all of the flags of abuse. You can go to her website, which is wilderness to wild.com. It's called Is This Abuse? And it's an awesome chart. And it has tons of information, videos and stuff to help you understand what is abuse. So Sarah's going to talk about that today. So we're going to just jump right in with her talking about how it would be healthy for children and healthy men to be more involved with childcare. In, in a healthy environment, both parents are gently, kindly, deeply engaged in the well-being of their children. And I do not mean one parent comes home, riles them up just before bedtime, and then goes to watch a football game while exhausted mom puts them to bed and says, hey, I did my good dad deed for the day. I'm not talking about one parent undermining the healthy parenting of the other one. I'm talking about that ideal. So sometimes we can recognize the things that are wrong when we look at a checklist of what abuse looks like. But sometimes also it's really helpful to look at what the standard should be and then note what is missing. And that's kind of the perspective I've been taking up until now in in what we've been just talking about that equitable distribution of labor when we're talking about using your power for good, when we're talking about a set of partners, a husband and wife who are both committed to living and treating each other and their children with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, the fruit of the spirit. In that kind of relationship, if that's our baseline, then we look at what is missing. And that shows us where those things of coercive control and abusive entitlement are staring with really ugly eyes at us. 
those are the things that are taking over our our homes. And in that case, no amount of, hey, can you please do this or please do that discussions are going to magically turn him into an appropriate partner or an appropriate father. Absolutely not. Not not going to happen. If you're saying, oh, well, okay, so that's what it's supposed to look like. My home life looks nothing like that. And you're looking at that and going, wow, there are glaring gaps in my home, in my marriage. Then you have to assess, okay, is this abuse? And I agree with you. And then I want to say you actually don't have to assess, is it abuse? Even if it's not abuse, you could still say, this isn't for me. Right? Like, you don't always have to determine the cause of the behavior to, like, what if it's a brain lesion or what, you know, I don't know. It could be whatever. But you don't always have to assess the cause to say to yourself, I don't want this. I'm going to move towards something more peaceful. It is helpful to know it's abuse. That's my whole job. That's Sarah's whole job. We educate people about abuse. So I'm not opposed to people like finding out it's abuse. That's not what I'm saying. But I also think that so many women have this thing in their head. If it's abuse, then I can move towards safety. Or if it's abuse, then I could separate. And I really want to separate. But if it's not quote unquote abuse and my pastor saying it's not that bad and my therapist is saying I just need to communicate better and this other thing and I just read this book and in this book it says that it's not if it's due to his childhood trauma and so I'm going to try to like work this out longer even though I really feel unsafe then spending any more time trying to determine the cause is not the best use of our time when we could just start making our way to safety. But see, this is where I want to point out a really crucial thing. And that is it doesn't have to be identified as overtly intentional to be abuse. Right. Absolutely. You don't have to know why with complete clarity in order to say it's happening, it's wrong, and it's unsafe. You can spin your wheels forever trying to figure out which thing made someone be this way. We can also, with so many of these guys, they are so good at manipulation and storytelling and stuff. Even if they they knew exactly what they were doing, putting on some kind of show or giving reasons for it. Like, oh, I was just so damaged as a child or I must have something wrong with me. I need help you know, that type of thing is just so in their wheelhouse. <laughs> you should go get that help if you are. <laughs> so, if, you know, if your childhood trauma was intense, then you absolutely need to be in therapy. But also, I would like to know why, if your childhood trauma was so intense, why would you repeat that to anyone else? Because you would know how it feels. Well, totally. And also, I wish you the best of luck. Yes. And right? it, you should absolutely be getting help from that. You may not be putting me or the children in danger and passing on that generational trauma while you deal with your stuff. Yeah, I wish you well. I am so sorry that that happened to you. Um, the result is that you're unhealthy now. 
Which means that I am going to separate myself from your harm. Yeah. I, and, and you have the right to be safe from harm. Your children have the right to be safe from harm. And, you know, occasionally there will be someone who says, well, you do have the right to be safe from harm and I'm going to go work on me. And once in a while, there is a family or a relationship where the abusive partner goes and does that work, but you still have the right to be elsewhere and to be safe while they're doing it. Now, while we're talking about this, I really want to hit home that when we say safe, we mean emotionally safe. Someone who's not lying to you, someone who's not deceiving you, someone who's not gaslighting you. We're not talking about that they're not hitting you. Obviously, if they're hitting you, get like we don't want them to hit you. That's not what we're saying. That's not what I'm saying. But but I'm just safety is emotional safety. It's psychological safety that the reality that they are presenting to you is reality, that they're not always trying to undermine your reality. Like that is safety. And so many women who listen to this podcast, Sarah, you probably run into it online all the time. They when we say safety, I think they think, okay, well, I think I'm safe because he's not hitting me rather than thinking, wait a minute, what is safety? Safety is being with someone who is honest. Safety is being someone who cares enough about me that they're able to say, hey, do you want to go ice skating? And then I'm like, no, I don't go. I don't like going ice skating. And then they say, okay, no problem. I'll go ice skating and we'll meet back up later. Right? Like that's safety. Not like, why? You don't want to be together as a family? What's wrong with you? You know, that kind of thing. Like, no, that's not safe. So we're talking emotional and psychological safety. I'll take that a step further. And that is within marriage, not just outside of marriage, you also have the right to sexual safety. Mm -hmm, And that means the freedom to say, no, I don't feel like it. No, I'm exhausted. No, I just had a baby. No, for whatever reason, I'm simply not in the mood. And to be able to say no and not be punished for declining, not get the silent treatment, not be having someone beg and plead and coerce and persuade and, or bribe. Well, if you'll do this with me, get you that, or I'll be nice for a few days. Any of those things, that's actually sexual coercion and depending on exactly how it's playing out, it it can even be rape inside a marriage. For that matter, you have the right to sexual safety in that when you stood at the altar and vowed to whatever variation of vows that you would be faithful to this person with your body, you have the right to live the rest of your marriage in sexual safety, knowing that they are not breaking that vow on a screen with their eyes, with their mind, or with their body. So that includes porn, webcams, extracurricular content of every kind. All the things. All the things. When we are living in abuse, we generally have brain fog, right? Very often, you just don't know. Maybe you grew up watching your dad treat your mom this way, so you think it's normal. Maybe your pastor has has preached so many sermons about how, you know, that 
that it's this is just your role or it's your job to make sure you're sexually available as often as he wants it so that he doesn't stray or whatever. And so maybe it just started off where it seems really nice and then it has just increasingly gotten more confusing. And then sometimes he's very nice. You know, that's manipulative uh, niceness, manipulation. And then sometimes he's really awful, but then he's really nice again. And and it's just super confusing in that vortex. And, you know, you and I have done a whole episode about the vortex before. But it can be so helpful to have kind of a checklist of things to look for. Weaponizing your belief systems. Cyber abuse. Because using technology to to monitor and to surveil and abuse is more common now than it ever has been. And then there's emotional and financial and intellectual, but then we also have legal abuse, post-separation and litigation abuse, and medical, and then pets and property and physical abuse and psychological. Reproductive coercion is things like um, pressuring her to conceive, or if she is pregnant, forcing her to have an abortion or forcing her to remain childless because he doesn't want the responsibility of kids, like stealing motherhood from her. That's reproductive coercion. The The flip side of reproductive coercion is things like stealthing. Stealthing is where a guy either sabotages or removes his condom in the middle of sex. And he's not doing it with her consent, and he may do it even without her knowledge. It's actually a sexual assault crime in Canada. Um, Using religious beliefs to forbid um, prevention of pregnancy or any prenatal care is a form of reproductive coercion. Coercing or manipulating sex when you know that she's fertile is reproductive coercion, especially when you're dealing with someone who's not ready to become pregnant or maybe her health isn't great. Uh, And then another aspect of reproductive coercion is prioritizing her recovery after childbirth as a lower need or a lesser need than him getting sex when he wants it instead of waiting for her to heal. So all of those related to pregnancy and conception any form of trickery or coercion related to pregnancy and conception. Um, some of those are actual crimes, depending on your area. And it's a bit separate from just the straight mainstream sexual abuse inside marriage. And then we also have social abuse, spiritual abuse, and verbal abuse. And all of those boomerang around this center axis of the abuse of power. We really believe that women need to be able to know what they're dealing with. You cannot make safe decisions if you're not making a fully informed decision. You can make safe decisions not knowing everything, right? You can move towards safety. I think the problem is the opposite, that women feel like they can't move towards safety unless they have a reason. I've met so many brave women who I... I am, I was not like this. And so I'm in awe of them who didn't maybe really understand abuse or they didn't understand things. And they just were like, you know what? I don't want this. This is not what I want. And then after divorce, they're like, whoa, that was abuse. 
check it out. Know it. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm like, good for you. Cause they weren't waiting around for like someone to give them permission to say, right. you know what? It doesn't really matter what this is. It's not, I don't want a life like this. I'm going to separate myself from these behaviors, no matter what they're called, because I'm not a fan. I do not have mixed feelings. Like I am an educator as you are, right? Like we educate women about what is abuse so that they know, but there's this, this part of me that's so sad that women need a reason to do the thing that they want to do anyway, that they didn't know that they could do. Do you know what I'm saying? There's just this part of me that's like, Oh, I feel bad that women aren't like, you know what, this isn't for me and it doesn't matter what it is. You know what? I, am, am I making sense? What I see as kind of a balancing thing to that is there's there's two sides, and this is the same kind of thing that we were talking about earlier. There's the reality that is, and there's the reality that we wish would be. So what I hear you saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I hear you saying is that in the reality that you wish for, women could simply feel free to say, this is not right. It's not healthy. And I'm not putting up with it. Yeah. Like I wish the reality was that society and religion and everything did not hide abuse so well. And that also said to a woman, it doesn't really matter what you think and how you feel unless you have a good, really good reason and you can define it as in you have a black eye, right. then you're just complaining, you know, like, stop it. Do you think a lot of that might just center back on that baseline of, of gender-based control? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It makes space for gender-based violence. It makes an excuse in the framework for gender-based violence. So when we step back and we start saying to women, hey, mamas, not mamas, women, across the board, you are functioning autonomous adults. There is literally nothing in a healthy belief system that says you can't or shouldn't or are not allowed to operate as a fully functioning autonomous adult. You have an equal right to safety, to protection, to provision, and to thriving in whatever capacity you have been created to be as any man. And that is your God-given right. So we have a lot of women who have been raised. Now, certainly this is not all women, but I think you and I both see it, especially in certain aspects of faith community. We see a higher than average proportion of women who have been raised to believe that they don't actually have a God-given right to operate as and to function as independent, individual, autonomous adults, that they have to ask their dad or ask their brother or ask their husband. Yep. And the other thing I'm thinking is it can't just be because they don't like it. It can't just be like, I feel uncomfortable. I do not like this situation. They have to have a quote unquote, really good reason. 
And so because of misogyny says you have to have a really good reason. And then you say, well, this is a good reason. I feel uncomfortable. I feel unsafe. You might not use the word abuse, but then they can always say, well, that reason's not good enough. Right. (laughs) It's not my reason. So it doesn't count. Exactly. So it doesn't count. And even if we say it's abuse, even if we're like, hey, I got this chart from Sarah. She's amazing. And look, it's abuse on all these different things. We still get from clergy, perhaps therapists, like, oh, well, you know, that chart doesn't really take into account his childhood. And look how amazing he is when he does this. Right. And so just I don't like this for some reason is not good enough in today's society. And I think that's what's making me sad today that like I want the listeners to think that's good enough for us. If you were just talking to Sarah and me, and even if, even if it wasn't abuse, you know, I don't know what it, let's pretend like we don't know what it is. We do. It's abuse. Right. But let's just (laughs) pretend like we didn't know. I want you to know that Sarah and I would say that's good enough that you don't like it is a good enough reason. Yeah. And I think that for me, one of the biggest goals that I have for every woman that I work with is to encourage her to recognize that she has a divinely bestowed God-given right to live her life in power and in love and with a clear mind. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And the more that we can give women these tools to recognize that you have the right to use your sound mind to decide what is right and best and safe and enjoyable for yourself and your children, that we have done our job. So I just want to throw it out there. This We have this chart. If you are sitting and questioning and asking, I don't know if it's abuse, if you feel emotionally or spiritually or morally obligated to go ahead and have that validated reason. I understand that. I was the same way. And that's one of the reasons we've got this free chart. And you can get that for yourself. You can check it out and get it, download it at ideservetoknow.com slash is this abuse. Sarah, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts today. And thank you for um, going down my little rabbit hole that I was like obsessed with today. <laughs> I love I you, appreciate that. You're amazing. Again, Sarah's website is wildernesstowild.com. I'm so grateful that she could come on today and share her knowledge with us. She's a wonderful advocate to victims everywhere. If this podcast is helpful to you, please help us reach other women by following or subscribing and giving us a five-star rating. Thank you for helping other women find us. If you've already purchased a copy of my book, Trauma Mama, Husband Drama, please circle back and give it a five-star rating. A lot of women are searching for books about betrayal trauma on Amazon, and rating Trauma Mama will help them find this podcast, which is free to everyone. Your donations keep this podcast going. Go to our website, btr.org, scroll to the bottom, click on support the BTR podcast. And until next week, stay safe out there 